This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Nails, Lenny Dykes are in the house. You're listening to The Jake Brown Show. To the Jake Brown Show, CBS Radio's Play.it Podcast Network. You can subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify. Follow us at Jake Brown Radio, Jake Brown Show on Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, all that. A busy show, a lot to get into. A couple of guests coming at you this week as well. But we got so much to get into the show that we're going with this guest-free first part of the program. A new man, a new woman behind the boards today, Alyssa Namoli. Follow her on Twitter. Big hockey fan. She'll give us her preview of the NHL playoffs coming up. Yes, we'll even cover the NHL here. We'll get into Sergio finally winning the Masters, and we will also talk uh, MLB first week, and we'll talk about the uh, MVP race, take a couple of callers, as well as so many things to get into on the program. But to start it off, folks, we have got, we have got to talk about this United Airlines debacle. And I think my dad either rides, rides American or, or United. I'm not sure which one. But I've rode United recently. I flew United. I don't want to say ride. They're not a rental car service. But I flew United. And they're usually good for a cheap flight. They're good for a good deal. And they're not good for a good deal and what just happened today. Now, if you saw the video, I'm not sure, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. Um, they basically didn't, they were overbooked. So a passenger who happened to be a doctor um, ends up having to be pulled off the plane. He, they escort him out. But he wasn't really just pulled off the plane. This man was dragged off, ends up bleeding, looked like a rag doll coming off this plane. Now, it was a United Airlines flight from Chicago to Louisville that was overbooked on Sunday. So they said, hey, we need to, someone's got to go. Not enough people volunteered, and man, did they forcibly remove this man. And he ended up being a doctor who had to go help patients. He was trying to get to work, and he couldn't because they pulled him off. And United is has a lot of work to do. They are in deep doo-doo right now. And we'll need a PR 180 to get out of this. How you treat a passenger like that? I mean, why aren't the people who didn't get seats who were overbooked, why are they not the ones getting on? I mean, how did they choose this guy? There has to be more to this story in my mind. There has to be. There, there has to be something that didn't come out because this just seems too absurd to be true. It just it, it does not seem real. It just doesn't seem like real life. 
how about this? The United Airlines CEO was rewarded. He was awarded U.S. Communicator of the Year by the PR Week. This is obviously prior to this. Last month, this happened. I mean, you, all an all-time low moment. And for them to have the audacity, they came out with a statement that said, I apologize. Here's what it said. I apologize for having to reaccommodate these customers. Get out. <laughs> Technically, this drop would work perfect for this situation. Fly up or get flown over. They were trying to fly and it didn't work out. I mean, dragging someone like a rag doll to, to make a point is not going to work. And the thing is, people are still going to use United because it's, it's fairly affordable. It's cheap. So people probably are still going to use it. Because guess what? You're looking for flights. A lot of flights, a lot of airline companies, they're varying prices. People will need to get a cheap flight, and they'll still go to United. And you'll have the people who may have not even seen this, who don't use the internet. You have those older people who have no idea that this happened. But is this going to take a hit? I have to imagine their sales for April, May are, are going to be down. And it makes you think, too. What did this guy do? It also makes you think. You don't want to think this, but did they pick him because he was Asian? Did they pick him? He didn't speak good English. What was the reason? You don't want to think that, but it does make you think, why him? Why did you choose this guy? And why did you make him bleed? This guy was petrified. And not only was he petrified, the people on board were scared of their lives. You, or you heard people after screaming. I mean, you heard people saying, what are you doing? That's a horrifying scene for especially the children on the flight. And this is a bad PR, PR look. Why didn't those over book get off? Why did they choose him? Why did you drag him? There's, there has to be more to this story that comes out. In the case of that prankster who did the video where they, they said they kicked him off because he was Middle Eastern, that was a guy who does prank videos. That, that was a complete joke. I don't think this is anything similar. This is, this is a debacle written all over it for United. And what PR move could get them out of this dump? First off, that guy's going to need to get free flights for life. I mean, they have to accommodate this guy in any way, shape, or form. This poor dude was trying to take care of sick sick people and was left sick. That's the first thing. They're going to really have to give it their all to this guy. I mean, you have to make him executive. My, my dad calls himself the chairman of the board because he flies like every week. So he's in that club or whatever. He's first class always. This guy needs first class treatment. This needs to be, they need to advertise his his doctor's office, whatever it may be, to, to help this guy. Needs to be done. United has a lot of work to do to get themselves out of this. To even have the audacity to, to I mean, what's going through security's mind where they said, oh, let's drag this guy out and see how it looks. This could be funny. Like, it, it makes you think there's more that we haven't heard. Was he causing a disruption? Why him? Like it, he, It's not his right to agree to come off. This guy purchased tickets to a plane, and you're asking people to come off? 
How about the people who don't have the seat? How about they wait for the next flight? Just a poor job all around. Overbooking in the first place is a poor job. But this just takes it to another level. So an interesting start to a Monday. And a Masters Monday. A Monday where Sergio Garcia won his first title in a playoff over Justin Rose. And this is this is the funny thing with, with the Masters as we transition over here from a, a rough Sunday for one guy to a good Sunday for Sergio Garcia, who finally got the monkey off the back. And it makes you think, is is his beautiful fiance like has this helped him? This he was always single, and now he's about to be married. And the new family seems to help him out of what was his own nightmare. And yet he had remnants of just, here goes Sergio again. He's going to choke. He's going to do it yet again. And Sergio found a way to win in the playoffs. And Sergio has his the knock against him is he always finds ways to choke. I'm not a I'm not a golf expert from what I read, what I see, what I, what I saw Sunday, and what people were talking about is that. And on that front, let's say this. Let's let's be real about golf. Let's let's just be real about it. For your average sports fan regarding golf, no one cares. I think the only time I ever watched, to be honest is the last couple of holes of a tight tournament. Usually just the Masters, so. Because the Masters is like the World Series of golf. And it really tells you something about the sport when the casual fan like me is only going to watch the last couple of holes of the last day of the Masters. And excuse my speech right now. My teeth are still hurting from the dentist. And I'm having trouble enunciating words. Um... But the sport is in trouble without Tiger Woods because, honestly, if this wasn't close, I wasn't going to watch the last couple of holes. I wouldn't care that much. I care because it was tied. It was a guy who hasn't won. It was two, I would say underdogs, but two guys who aren't known for winning titles going at it. It's an interesting storyline. But without Tiger, there aren't too many storylines in golf. And a lot of us can say, and a lot of people probably didn't watch yesterday. I, I got home in time that it was a last couple of holes. I said, Let, let's turn it on. And at that point, it was good. I mean, when it got tight down those last couple of holes in the playoffs, it was must-watch TV. Like, they were going putt for putt. It was, it was how far is this? Is this further? And they were so tight. Is he going to make this putt? Oh, we're going to a playoff. The 17-18 in the playoff is really good. But there's the issue. Five holes out of four days of golfing is all we care about. So I don't know what can be done. And nothing's really going to change because golf is such a pastime. You're either into it or not. They're not going to change to the fan. But there's a lot that needs to change. And... Could you blame me or anyone else for not wanting to watch Friday for Saturday? Now, when you're born into golf and you're a good golfer, sure you'll watch. If you're good at it, 
I suck. The average person sucks at golf. Golf is a harder sport than you let it out to be. It's a very hard sport. It's hard to get a nine under par. It's hard to do what Sergio Garcia did. In his first major title in his 74th start. Talk about really just getting that big-ass monkey off your back. But the average person won't sit, spend four days of their lives watching golf on a weekend. It's a Saturday afternoon. I don't know about you, Alyssa, but you're not watching golf on a Saturday afternoon. On Sunday afternoon, even though it got interesting, it was beautiful outside on Sunday. You want to be outside, out and about. You don't want to be on your phone watching golf, and you don't want to be in your living room watching golf. No, no, I would not like to do that. Yeah, I mean, that just doesn't sound fun. No. Now, if you're there, obviously, it's different. I mean, I'm sure it's a great time getting there. Good luck getting Masters tickets there, $1,000. But especially four days of it. I understand you kind of you can't base it on one day, but I don't know. Maybe have less players make the last two days. Have less players get into the tournament. Have Thursday be the kind of get in, and then you're left with five or ten guys. There's ways you could do it where it'll make it a little more interesting. Have, like, the top five or ten guys duke it out on Saturday and Sunday. Have it like an actual playoff, like eight, like a like a one versus eight kind of thing, two or seven. There's things that can be done that I think could make people a little bit more interested, but in the end, golf is a sport that is is difficult to really keep close attention to. I think it's more for the older crowd. I mean, 56-year-olds are going to watch it, but us millennials, as they call us, me being 26 and I'm just not in the position where I'm that interested in watching even Saturday and Sunday. And that's why I watched about five holes. I watched maybe the last five holes. And you got to have them walk. They got to ride the cart there. You got to wait for the other guy to go. Um, There's just a lot going on there. But nonetheless, Sergio Garcia took him a long, long time. And you're happy for the guy that he won. There's also without Tiger, not a lot of huge personalities and people that you're really like, I need to watch this guy. Must watch TV. The golfers are just so inconsistent that while you want to root for a guy like Jordan Spieth, he doesn't consistently win. So it's it's not like a dynasty, you know? It's it's not like it's not like a Yankees with 26, 27 World Series. It's it's not like a dominant one player. You just don't have that anymore. Week in and week out, it's a new guy winning. You don't have the true superstars of the sport. Sergio Garcia has been a guy in the running in the top five almost his whole career, but never won. So really, the Masters and all these tournaments, it's like, all right, who's going to golf better this weekend? Which you can argue is nice. It's nice to have competition. It's nice to see a different winner each week. But it also makes it hard for the casual fan to get drawn to a sport where there's no true champion, where there's no elite golfer, where there's no one that's must-watch television, where there's a guy who hits a hole-in-one in every tournament. It doesn't have that. And I guess Tiger was that guy and no longer is. It's like losing Jordan from the NBA. It's like if the NBA, if LeBron or Curry just retired today. Imagine the amount of fans you would lose. Because both those guys draw... A ton of attractions. In the hockey case, it's like if you lose Sidney Crosby or Alexander Ovechkin. You lose a star player like that, 
I don't know many people that will, as many that will go to Penguins and Capitals games. A lot less people will go. You lose your Sidney Crosby, you lose a lot. You lose the face of a franchise. So without Tiger, there isn't someone in golf where you could say you could say that. And you thought Spieth, after winning the Masters last year, could be the guy, and he's he's hasn't been bad. He's still won a couple tournaments, but he's not dominant. And he, it's hard to ask golfers to you know what do that well on a weekly basis. You know what? It's hard to 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 golf ten under par or whatever the number may be to win consistently. It's easier said than done. It's easier for me to say it than that actually to happen. But nonetheless, an entertaining finish to the Masters. We got a lot to get into here on the Jake Brown Show. Play it out of iTunes and Spotify. The MVP debate. I'll give you who I think and why, and we'll hear from a couple of callers on who they think should be the MVP. That'll be a little bit later on. David Ardsma, who just signed with the Long Island Ducks last week, the former pitcher, who I have to ask him, if he does make it back, he cannot close in any game because he has 69 career saves. He can't get 70. In, in the truest Rob Gronkowski fashion, he cannot get to 70. Do it for Gronk. But Ardsmo will talk to us. We'll talk baseball. He also did pitch to Tim Tebow in Tebow's workout, so he has a good perspective on Tim Tebow, which leads me to baseball here. Two home runs in his first week in the minor leagues. One in his first at-bat. I mean, this guy's in Jesus who is. How could you not like this guy? It's such a great story. I mean, the guy doubted by everyone. Everyone's saying he doesn't stand a chance. Oh, but Tim Tebow. Oh, yeah, baby. He is proving all the haters wrong. He is. I, I know it's single A. Let's not go crazy. But he's hitting 90 mile hour fastballs. Oh, you would think around there, out of the park, at a at a professional level. He's not no pushover. He's hitting dingers. Now, will he make the majors? Probably not. But it's a nice sign to see the guy contributing to victories for those fireflies. What a name. Also, a good song. Who sung that? Who sung Fireflies? Owl City. One hit wonder, right? Yep, definitely. I don't know. What else do they have? Do they have anything else? Uh, they have a song. I think it's called Vanilla Twilight. I feel like you are an avid Owl, uh, Owl City fan. You've been to one of their concerts. You can see it in my eyes. I have not been to their concert, but I, I know more of their songs than I'm willing to admit. You know more than those two. I oh, could, yeah. You you have like 10 locked in that you know. Oh, yeah. Let's hear, let's hear which ones you know. Oh, I can't go to 10, but I know there's Bombshell Blonde. That's one that a lot of people don't talk about. How do you know uh, these? I, you know, there's this cute YouTube video that does all the Owl City songs on YouTube. It does all the lyrics, and there's a dancing penguin. Dancing penguin? Yeah, it's like an animated penguin that just moves. This just became must-watch videos, then. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I've been watching them for forever. I'm a closet Owl City fan, apparently. What's another closet band you would say you're a fan of that maybe has, like, one hit? Uh, One hit? Ladies. Ooh, I'm not sure. Um, Is there any other ones? There's got to be one. I'm You're what, 21, right? Yeah, I'm 21. St. John's student. 
Now, think of another band like like Owl City because Owl City is pretty random, but they had that one song that people love, Fireflies. Oh. Is there another one that you know? What about Walk the Moon? Shut up and dance with me. That's a recent one. Have yeah. they been around a while? I don't think they've been around a while, but they are a one-hit wonder yeah. of, of a millennial generation that we're in. Yeah, I mean, I'm guilty of listening to the rest of their album. They've been around since 2006. Really? Wow. Well, uh, 2008. Wow. It's almost 10 years. Wow. So I'm impressed. Yeah, that's one where you think, hey, that is definitely, uh, yeah, shut up and dance. That's all they got. That's a that's a good one. Yeah, that's really it. But See it's if you think of think of any more throughout the show here. I'll let you know. Um, that's Alyssa Namoli. Follow her on Twitter. Big hockey fan. Um, in a little bit, we're going to get into our. She'll give us a hockey playoff preview. But one hit wonders. Tim Tebow. Two hits. Two homers. So you know what? Give the guy a shot. And I and I, I posted it, and I'm semi-serious about it. Not completely serious, because it's not necessarily true. But I think Tim Tebow's better than Ty Kelly on the Mets. I made that my status. and People liked it, and some people will joke about it. But Ty Kelly's trash and shouldn't be on the Mets roster. I'm not going to get a whole Mets rant here because this isn't a Mets show, but we know I could do a whole show talking Mets, including, which is also, it's, it's news, so I'll talk about it. The Mets are frustrated right now with Steven Matt's flexor strain injury diagnosis, which makes you wonder, what I mean, what is going on with the Mets doctors? Hello? I mean, every year. Hello? Every single year, hello, hello, they find a way to screw up injuries. There's always a guy hurt. They get hurt a weird way. You don't know the diagnosis. It's day to day. Day to day becomes DL. DL becomes out for the season. Mets officials have been privately asking about who made the diagnosis. Our doctors found nothing wrong, said one person knowledge of Matt's care. The team is frustrated and flummoxed. I don't even know what that means. In the dark as to what's actually wrong with Matt's and when he'll be able to pitch again. Story later says that MRI showed no damage to the elbow. Team doctors have found nothing alarming, yet Matt's continues to have discomfort in the pitching elbow. To be clear, the Mets aren't suggesting Matt's is faking injury or anything like that. Though the colonist wonders if Matt needs to learn to pitch through some discomfort, as that's a reality in the majors. Matt's, you're he's going to have to, and I can't question because I think he's in a position where why would he really sit out at this point? Because this guy is in a position so young in his career, he's trying to earn checks. I mean, he's barely getting. I mean, I'm not saying he's barely getting paid, but he's going to pay like the league minimum. And he's got great stuff, and he's got potential, but we haven't seen it. So I, I wouldn't say he's faking injury, but he's going to have to pitch with discomfort. The issue is when the discomfort becomes Tommy John, when it becomes a torn UCL like Seth Lugo, it could get dangerous. And the Mets, man, if, if Steven Matz could just stay healthy, he's like David Wright of pitchers right now. You don't know what you're going to get out of him, when you're going to see him, and how often you're going to see him. And you don't want to be in that position at this young of an age in your 20s. And if he is healthy and on the Mets team, he just doesn't bolster them because he gives them another pitcher. He gives them a lefty. The Mets have no other lefties in the rotation. I mean, you don't find many rotations with five right-hand pitchers. You need that really that one lefty to set apart the other opposing team's lineup. The lineup that is lefty-heavy like the Mets are 
when you have a lot of left-handed hitters, you want one lefty to pitch in a series, and the Mets don't have that until they get him back. So that's going to be important to, to keep an eye on Steven Madison. The Mets always finding a way to hurt things. And how about Tebow, by the way, I didn't mention? Is a homer away from tying Michael Jordan, who hit three homers in 1994 for Birmingham when he went to the minors, when he switched sports. Mind you, Tim Tebow's a weekend of the season. This guy might hit double digits in Savannah. But nonetheless, the Mets right now, 3-3. Three and three, Everything's fine. I'm not worried. The Yankees, you got to be a little concerned here. Because Gary Sanchez is going to be out a month now. That's never good. The Yankees beat the Rays in their home opener with Pineda going up to the seventh with a perfect game. He got the win. The Yankees won eight one. The Yankees are three and four now on the season. The Rays fell to five and three. In the end, and I've said over and over, can the Yankees pitching hold up? I think they'll score. I think they have good young bats. Although with Sanchez out, they might struggle for the next month. But can that line be? Can that pitching rotation be consistent? You never know what you're going to get from Pineda. But you got the great Pineda today. But next start, you might give up. You might get the one with no command who gives up five runs. So that's going to be with the key with the Yankees. What will you get from that team? In other baseball news, the Angels scored seven Sunday in the bottom of the night to beat the Mariners. The Red Sox in the AL East as well. They are three and three. They fell to the Tigers. Tigers are four and two. The Twins are off to a nice little start this season. I think it's just too early to look at records. Really, you want to look at how how a team's hitting, how they're how they're pitching. It takes me a month to truly judge how good a team is. You just can't. If you do it in a week, you're going to lose your mind. If you get that invested into a team, you you will lose your mind. There's 162 games. If you're if your team's one in five, and you're worried, you need to see a doctor because it's just too long of a season to get involved. The Twins have been good, five and one, but they'll finish in last. Orioles are four and one, but they'll probably finish in last. Angels are five and two. But they're going to be right near the cellar, likely, when it's all said and done. The NLEs is a 3-3 three and three party right now at 3-3. Three and three. Cubs are 4-2. and two, The Reds are 4-2. The Diamondbacks are 6-1. and one, Rockies are 5-2. So, I mean, these, these standings could end up being flipped over in just a, in a month. Like, it's not even a week. Like, not even a, a couple months. In a month, it could be flipped over. And David Arden is going to join us this week to talk a little, little baseball. We want to talk about him and why he went to the Ducks and pitching to Tim Tebow. Does he think he can realistically make it to the major leagues? And say all you want. Say he's taking jobs. Say, be an idiot and say he's taking jobs. There's realistically guys that won't make it at the next level. There is no jobs he's taking at the single A level. You probably suck if you didn't make it, honestly. You, 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 there's players who just don't make the cut. You do something else. 
You maybe become an instructor. You do something. He's not taking a job. And if he is, he probably was better than that guy. This hundred thousand investment, hundred thousand dollar investment by the Mets was genius. Because Tim Tebow is bringing so much attention to the game, just him in the minor leagues, to that team, selling the Fireflies tickets. I don't think it's a negative at all. I don't understand the people who say, Tebow, go away. It's a great story. I mean, how do you not love it? When Tim Tebow hits a home run, it's the only minor league home run that's tweeted about by SportsCenter, by big sites, but goes viral. Literally the only minor league player who, when he hits a home run, every time it will be documented. Now, that's not a great story, and it's not attention that baseball desperately does need in a time where ratings have been down, then you're crazy. This is what the sport needs. It needs lightning rods. It needs a Souza versus Tulowitzki that we saw a little confrontation. In a course of a 162-game season, you need these kind of storylines for people to stay in, into it. If you're not a true diehard baseball fan like I am, if you're just a casual fan, you pick up on these things, and it makes you want to watch a little more. It makes you want to follow what's going on. Now, you're not a huge baseball fan, Alyssa, right? I would consider myself above average, but not avid. Does but that make sense? don't you kind of like when you see, hey, look, Tebow to home run? Isn't it kind of like a cool story or no? Yes, I was retweeting it all over the place on Twitter. It, I feel like it's a positive that haters will make negative who say, get out of this board, or he's, he's taking guys who worked their whole life for this jobs. Hey, I mean, sometimes you just get one guy that is so gifted. Why would you take him out of other sports, even if he's good at those two? And, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no reason to knock on the guy because it's not like he's bringing negative attention. It's not like there's so many stories we see, domestic violence, abuse, drugs, steroids. There's so many negative stories that a guy hitting a home run who was a former NFL quarterback and a Heisman Trophy winner it's just a cool story, no matter how you look at it. Heisman, NFL, took the Broncos to the playoffs after they were 3-8, and eight, won five straight, went to Pittsburgh and won a playoff game, and then was seeing his way out of the NFL. Was put in a couple of bad spots with the Jets and a wildcat, and they promised him more snaps than he got with the Jets. And it slowly started to fall downhill, where he came to the point where he was making millions as SEC Network and ESPN all doing all that. Which is a cozy job. I mean, I don't know about you. That is cozy. When you're just analyzing football, making millions, it's cozy. How do you question the fire and desire, if I'm going to take a Drake song, in his eyes when he goes out there and turns that down to make, I mean, besides 100000 like hardly anything at the minor league level? That's pretty cool to me. I mean, that's cool or a guy who could have just took a step back, sat home, and then show up at the studio and do his analyst work, make millions, to go grind it out every day, to try and make it to the next level of another sport. I don't know about you, but I love it. Tim Tebow is the man. So I'll keep following him and hoping he does hit more home runs. Russell Westbrook is hitting home runs in the NBA. A game-winning three to knock the Nuggets out. On Sunday, a 50-point triple-double. 
I mean, 31.9 points per game, 10.7 rebounds per game, 10.4 assists per game. And it was a poll I put on Twitter, and we'll get to callers in a little bit. Harden, 29.3, 8.1 rebounds, 11.3 assists. Harden does lead the league, leads the NBA in assists, has transformed from, like, a small forward to a point guard slash shooting guard, which is not easy. And to lead the league in assists from a guy who used to be known as kind of a one-on-one player is pretty impressive. To have the Rockets as the third best record in the NBA after a team that was question to maybe not make the playoffs with Mike D'Antoni is impressive. Russell Westbrook, 42nd triple-double, breaking Oscar Robertson's season single-season record is impressive. Which is more impressive? We'll answer that after we do a little NHL playoff update. Um, the NBA playoffs aren't set yet, so it's hard to really preview yet what we'll see. The West, we pretty much know, is Warriors, Blazers, West, Spurs, Grizzlies, Rockets, Thunder, Clippers, Jazz. Now I'll probably do a little preview show later in the week to go through those. Um, I mean, obviously, I think honestly all the favorites are going to win. Warriors, Spurs, Rockets, I think will all win. And Clippers, Jazz is kind of a toss-up. I think the Clippers, just because of their playoff experience, uh, will win. And the East is just too much seeding to still be determined to decide there. But, man, the Celtics, the Celtics and the Cavs are duking it out for number one. And it's it's awesome to see. You love seeing the, you love seeing the Goliath being challenged by David. Or Goliath is the more powerful one, right? Is it is David more powerful? Goliath? I, I think it's Goliath. Because the name sounds more powerful. It's yeah, like, that, that's I'm what not, I'm going with. I'm not intimidated by David, so I'm yeah, going to say Goliath. Definitely. So Okay, all right. So so David is the Celtics, and Goliath is the Cavs. And little old David, I mean little measly David, is right there with Goliath. And it's going to come down to the final regular season game. That's what That's what the NBA needs. I also do think... I do agree with the sentiment that they do need to shorten the season. 62 games, honestly. 31 home and away, I think works better. I think the Rockets GM said 30. I think 30 is just too short. It's not even fair to teams. But I think 62 is kind of fair. But Adam Silver is going to have a lot of talking to do to see how they can make this regular season more competitive and avoid stars sitting out so the playoffs will be interesting the nba playoffs will be interesting i'll answer who my mvp is and we'll take a couple of calls on who the mvp is but first we will toss it to Alyssa namoli right now for an nhl playoff update break down the matchups the west the east and who you think will come out of each conference and who you think will be your stanley cup champion here is our 2007 Jake Brown Show Stanley Cup Playoff Preview with Alyssa Namola. Alyssa, take it away. Thanks, Jake. You know, going back on Tebow for a second, if he knew how to skate, I, I would put him in the rink. I'd give him a shot. Maybe he'll get a hat Give him a couple years. He might. You know, yeah, whatever. give a try. So I'll go out west, and then we'll take it back east, get a little closer to home. A big matchup on the Western Conference is we're going to have the Chicago Blackhawks face off against the Nashville Predators. Predators have been slacking a little bit. Uh inconsistent I think the Blackhawks are going to come out on top they're dominating the division over there the last time we saw these two together they're a rivalry last time we saw these two guys they gave us a triple overtime 
I stayed up till 3 a.m. watching this game, and I'm excited to see this series happen. I think we're going to have a long seven-game streak. I think it's going to be awesome. Next, we're going to hit Minnesota Wild versus St. Louis Blues. This is kind of a toss-up. Minnesota's been really great all season. They've been spectacular. Devin Dubnik has been insane for them in goal, but they've been falling a little bit lately, and the St. Louis Blues are really trying to get their act together. They're, they've climbed, and they're really trying to get closer to the cup this season. So I can see that we'll have a Chicago Blackhawks versus St. Louis Blues after those two the, it, battle it out in the first round. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks are going to take on the Calgary Flames. If you're looking to watch around a series with a lot of fights, a lot of old-time hockey, you have to watch these two. Stanley Cup finals, the whole playoffs, everything. The rules drop a little bit, and these teams have been fighting all season. So you're definitely going to see a lot of intensity from these two teams. I think the Ducks are going to come out on top. I think it'll be a long seven games, but I think that the Ducks are going to come out on top. They seem like they might have a slight skill edge over the Calgary Flames, who have just got their acts together this season a little bit from last. Then, kind of off base a little bit, the Edmonton Oilers got into the picture this season, and they're going to take on the San, San Jose Sharks, who went almost all the way last season, but the Penguins beat them out. Honestly, I think the Edmonton Oilers are going to come out on top. Connor McDavid has been absolutely incredible for them. He has been insane this season. And that's not going to change in the playoffs. This team really wants it between McDavid and you got Cam Talbot in net has been incredible. I don't think that this team is going to give it up easy. I think they're going to fight San Jose and I think they're going to get out of there. So we can bring it over to the East. My so who do you like out of the West? Who's your number one? Number one out of the West, I think, is going to be the Chicago Blackhawks. I think They've the Blackhawks could get back to the finals. Yeah, they're leading the division. They're the NHL favorite. So I really think that they're going to be able to push through. I think Edmonton and I think St. Louis could give them a hard try, whoever they end up facing, but those are my guesses. They're they're going to give them their all, but I think the Blackhawks are going to find the way to get through. All right, so the Blackhawks are the Western Conference champions now. Let's break down the East here. Yes, my favorite part. Um, I'll get to the Rangers last because I know that's probably everybody's favorite for the most part. Um, we're going to have the Pittsburgh Penguins face off with the Columbus Blue Jackets, who nobody thought would be here this season because, for lack of a better word, the Columbus Blue Jackets usually suck. Are the Blue Jackets the final wild card team? They made it over the Islanders. No, that's that's Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, that's right. Maple they Leafs. squeezed their way so in. So Blue Jackets won the division. Yep. Nice. Third place. Uh, people were shocked. They got it together this season, and they've been – borderline unstoppable Washington Capitals were able to beat them out for the president's trophy but it was a very very close race the Metropolitan Division is very very packed with talent now the president's trophy for those who don't know hockey is the best team in the conference yes the most wins most points in the whole season in the conference or the NHL the entire NHL so who so the Capitals had the best record in the NHL but Columbus was right behind them Columbus was very close, and so were the Pittsburgh Penguins. Well, the Penguins the, and the Capitals, no sh- surprise, but the Blue Jackets shocked people, you're saying. Definitely shocked people. They were basically at the bottom of the NHL last season, and for the last how many seasons, they've been basically scraping the bottom of the bucket. But now they're in All the way up. They were started yeah. from the bottom, now they're here. Huh? Yeah, literally. They, they started low, and they've been climbing up out of the bucket, and they stand a fair shot. Um, I think that they're going to come out over the Penguins. I think that's going to be a major upset. I think a lot of people are expecting the Penguins to 
to go for a doubleheader. They want them to take home the Stanley Cup two times in a row, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to happen. They have injuries. They're falling a little bit. Columbus wants it bad. I don't think they're going to go down that easy. I think it's going to be Columbus out of that one. Washington Capitals versus Toronto Maple Leafs is our next matchup here. Washington Capitals have the President's Trophy. They lead the NHL, and Toronto just made it into the second wild card in the Eastern by the skin of their teeth. It's going to be a good series. Toronto Maple Leafs have been incredible this season, especially courtesy to Austin Matthews, their prodigy, mm-hmm. and Mitch Marner, who has been standout for them. But they're not going to be able to get past the Capitals. They're on their way up, but this this just isn't their year. They're showing that they have what it takes to be in the playoffs, but this isn't going to be the year they go very far. The Capitals want it way too badly. Ottawa Senators versus Boston Bruins. This is going to be a good matchup. Ottawa has swept the Bruins all season. They've beat them all season. They this is going to be a, this is going to be a good game. Bruins want it really bad. They're more of an offensive team, while the Senators are way more of a defensive team, which sort of sets them back a little bit because the Bruins know how to score, but Ottawa doesn't really know how to do that so much. They're more of a sit back and guard the net kind of team, whereas okay. the Bruins just want to get as many goals as they can gather. So it's going to make for a very interesting uh, first round between these two, but I think Ottawa's going to come out. They've shown that skill all season, that they know how to beat this team, and the Bruins, they're they're signing more players. They just signed McAvoy, There's, who is from their uh, minor league affiliate in um, Providence, the Providence Bruins. They're signing players. They're bringing them up. They're trying to get ready, but I don't think it's going to happen for them. They don't have a strong enough spread out team. They don't have enough depth to do it, and I think Ottawa's going to come out. Now, my favorite part. Yes, my Rangers. Uh, Okay, so the New York Rangers are taking on the Montreal Canadiens, and anyone who hears this matchup probably won't be very happy about it because they're both very strong, you know, two very strong original six teams that are going to go head-to-head here. I'm sure a lot of Rangers fans are nervous. As a Rangers fan myself, I'm not nervous. I know the Canadiens have had the edge over us this season. They They have the wins over us the times we faced each other, but the Rangers are healthy now. They have a full team. We have a lot of depth. Montreal has size, but they don't have the experience and they don't have the skills that the New York Rangers have. Sure, they've got Carey Price, but we have Henrik Lundqvist. He's getting up there in age, and he knows that this is his time. There's no better time for him to give his play in the playoffs everything that he has. He's 35 now. For a goalie, he's getting up there, and he he knows that this is going to be the best time for him. He's a playoff player. He always shows up. And that's going to be the difference. The Canadiens, they'll get shook quickly. The Rangers will be able to frustrate them a little bit, and they might get a little spazzy. I think it'll go a long round. I don't think it'll be done in a four games, five games. I think it might go to six, seven probably. But I think the Rangers are going to come out on top. There's And who comes out of the East? I'm saying the Rangers. Oh, there it is. I don't want to be biased, but it makes the most sense. And this team... This team isn't perfect. The Rangers aren't perfect, and they haven't had a perfect record all season. They've been in the middle, which is what you could expect. Most teams, good Stanley Cup contenders, are in the middle because nobody's over-preparing for them and no one's under-preparing for them. They think they know what they're going to get, and they don't. The Rangers have so much depth. They have four lines that can keep rolling and keep scoring. A lot of these other teams don't have as many scores. 
you can't shut down a team if you don't know who to shut down. Mm-hmm. They look a lot like the Penguins did last year when the Penguins won. A lot of people weren't expecting the Penguins to win, and a lot of people might say, oh, it was Sidney Crosby, but it wasn't. It, it was their core of players, all these guys who knew how to score, and that's what the Rangers have. Their defense might be a little weak. Lundqvist might be a little shaky at times, but this team knows how to score. They know how to adjust. Just makes the most sense. All right, so Blackhawks, Rangers. I'm guessing you're going Rangers. I'm going Rangers because, and this is my reasoning, um, they know how to face this team and they know how to adjust. And I think the Blackhawks have been a very solid team for a very long time, but they're too stagnant. They're too similar. The Rangers have these new players. They have a lot of rookies. They have a lot of youth, and these guys want it very badly. And I think that they'll be able to adjust to the Blackhawks system a lot easier than I think some other teams might be able to. There it is. Rangers over Blackhawks, the Jake Brown Show prediction <laughs> with Alyssa Namoli. Uh, there it is. And now we will I, – I can't break any of that down, so I left it to her. And now we're going to take calls coming up next on the Jake Brown Show. Russell Westbrook or James Harden? Who is your NBA MVP? Next. And we're back here on the Jake Brown Show, CBS Radio's played at iTunes, Spotify. Getting people's opinion, I'll say mine first, and then we'll go to callers. I almost was tipped over. I almost said this was the final straw. I said 42 triple-doubles, 50-point game, a game-winning three. But it didn't tip me over just enough. I think James Harden is the NBA MVP because the Rockets were not expected to do anything. They have a decent roster, but not a stud roster. And Harden has led the league in assists, which is unheard of for a guy who was formerly a small forward shooting guard. He's transformed his game into really being a three-position player. And honestly, he's got the Rockets as a third-best team in the league. And I think wins have to speak for something. Now let's go to the callers and see what they think. First, we have Kyle from Trumbull. Kyle, let me hear your take here on why... You think one of these two. First off, welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm great. How are you, Jake? Thanks. I'm good. Thanks for uh, thanks for calling in. First time, long Absolutely. time. Uh, First time, long time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who is your NBA MVP? My MVP's got to be Westbrook. And tell I mean, me why. You see the things he's doing out there. If you saw the game last night against the Nuggets, he single-handedly took away the Nuggets' chances for the playoffs last night. They had nothing to play for for the Thunder, necessarily. And the Nuggets had everything to play for. And Westbrook just took it right out of their hands. But you can't base it off and one game. I'm not basing it off one game. I'm just saying that was his exclamation point for making his case for the MVP. But don't you think, Kyle, that wins have to count for something? When LeBron won, it was the Cavs were right there at the top of the conference. The Thunder aren't having a bad year. They're going to make the playoffs. But eight, the right. Rockets are eight games better. I agree, and they actually, and they won the head-to-heads. I saw that. Yeah. So that's one thing. But that being said, I don't think wins mean everything. You might be putting too much stake into the wins because it's the most valuable player, right? And mm. I know that to add value, you have to win games. But Westbrook is that team. He's won every game for the Thunder. He does not have much help. Victor Oladipo is a great piece, but you were – you had mentioned James Harden's assists. That is kind of out of a D'Antoni system where Harden can come up the court and pass the ball to Ariza and he can pass it to Eric Gordon 
Whereas Russell Westbrook, who's he going to pass the ball to? Victor Oladipo? Steven Adams? But th- that's also could be used against him in terms of who else do they have where Westbrook has to carry the load because if he doesn't, they're terrible. He's got no one else to go to, so that's the reason he's going to put up almost 32 points per game. That's the reason he's going to crash the boards. He is Mr. Do-It-All, so that argument could be used on both sides of the spectrum. That's true, but I just think that if Westbrook wasn't out there doing what he's doing and you switch teams, you put Westbrook on, on the Rockets and Harden on the Thunder – Harden can't do the things that Russell Westbrook's doing, which, in my opinion, makes Russell a more valuable player. But do the Thunder stand a chance in the first round as a team? Uh, does Westbrook make them better as a team to get them to potentially the promised land? I don't think he does as much as Harden does. I Well, I think that Harden is in a much better situation with his coach in D'Antoni. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Billy Donovan. I was a big fan of the 06 and 07 Florida team that he coached. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to knock Billy, but I think D'Antoni has a much better squad. Are you giving props to Mike D'Antoni, the one-time Knicks I disgrace? I am. Oh, no. I saw, I saw his Knicks team demolish my Blazers once in person, and that was actually um, the Blazers coach's last game. I, I'm, blanking, um, I'm, I'm blanking on his name now, but... Uh, I'm getting off topic. So I just think that D'Antoni is a better coach. So when you say head-to-head in the series, I think that with Harden in the system, Harden's going to come away with with a series victory. But it's going to be a game seven tight. Russell's going to do everything in his power to will his horrible, terrible Thunder team. They have Steven Adams. They have a couple of big men. They have Cantor. They have capable guys. Oladipo. It's not full of scrubs. Robertson's a good defender. They don't have scrubs. They just don't have stars. That's true. Like My whole thing is that Russell has to do everything, and I'm not going to put too much stake into Enos Cantor and Steven Adams. All right. That's fair. All right. So Kyle, Kyle from Trumbull is going with Westbrook. Kyle, thanks for calling in, man. No problem, Jake. Thank you. All right, man. Kyle Kyle going with Westbrook, and I am going with Harden. And another caller chiming in now. It's Anthony from Virginia calling in to debate the Westbrook versus Harden MVP race. Anthony, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's going on, Jake? How are you? I'm good. Good to uh, hear from you down in Virginia where every, every rest stop has a subway. Uh, and I've made my stop frequent there down in North Carolina. Um, I want to hear your take, Anthony, from Virginia. Harden or Westbrook MVP and why? See, I am on the Russell Westbrook uh, bandwagon because I think that despite Harden getting his team to the three seed in the West, I think he had a much better uh, surround, much more surrounding pieces to his team and was able to really kind of not really he used he was obviously the biggest factor on the Rockets but he, he had a lot to lean on also Westbrook essentially had Steven Adams and a little bit of Enos Cantor Oladipo Oladipo a little bit but not to the degree that James Harden has on the Rockets. But how much better are the Rockets with a Clint Capella? With I mean, Eric Gordon is good, but Trevor Reese is kind of a role player. They, that's not a star-studded cast. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be necessarily star-studded. I mean, they have a system that they work with, and I think that it works more. It works well for Harden in the team that they have, but I don't think it would work necessarily for anyone else if they brought them in just 
randomly. But did you see, Anthony, the Rockets having the th- – and if you say you did, then you're crazy. Did you think the Rockets would have the third-best record in the NBA when the season was all said and done? No, I didn't. No, I didn't think that at all. I thought they would be. I honestly thought they would be where the Thunder are. I thought they would be six or seven seed in the Western Conference. Where did you see the Thunder being? Did you did you think they were I the thought, top five? I thought I thought they would be borderline in. I thought they'd be eight, maybe nine or ten. So, in the West. so wouldn't you say the Rockets have outperformed the Thunder in terms of expectations? They have, but it was the same. It was the same difference that it was. But I thought it would be in the preseason, which was about three or four spots in the West, and that's what it ended up being. And I think that the fact that Russ was able to get, basically get Oklahoma City to the playoffs by himself is magnificent. My argument here, and I argued with the earlier caller, Kyle, is that he has to do that. He has nothing else where he has the ball every time. He's going to shoot 40 shots, 30 to 40 shots a night, where he is the man of the hour at every hour, um, and it makes it a little bit easier when you're touching the ball consistently like Westbrook, and you have to carry yourself. That's one factor. And then two is wins have to be a part of the most valuable player. And I think Harden leading the league in assists and averaging 29 points per game is pretty impressive for a guy who is never known really as kind of a point guard. Yeah, but he turned into a point guard this year in their in their system, and I think that I was on your side with the whole wins matter in the MVP discussion until this past baseball season when Mike Trout won it over Mookie Betts, who had they had essentially the same season. So um, I, I don't think wins matter as much as they did once in MVP races. All right, so that that's your side of the argument. That's fair. He says wins don't matter as much. And really, I almost got tipped over the iceberg uh, with that triple-double Sunday. So it's going to be a coin flip. Andy, thanks for calling in, man. Thanks, Jake. All right, man. Take care. I mean, when you look at the numbers, and thanks to both Anthony and Kyle for calling, Harden has about one more assist per game. Westbrook has two more points. And honestly, I don't just look at the points as the factor because Westbrook has the ball so much. It's like when Kobe was taking 60 shots a game. He gets it every time where it's almost sad if he doesn't score 30 every night. It's more the overall stats. When you're averaging a triple-double, it speaks out to you, of course. But what Harden's done and having that good of a record, to me, the record combined with leading the league in assists and the position change, and you can say the system all you want, system this, system that, it still takes talent and skill to switch to a different position and to thrive in that position so quickly, no matter what the system is. Um, so I'm still going to take Harden. Good points, but again, I think wins should factor in in the NBA for this because you could have a guy in 10th place, and uh, and guess what? Thunder is still having a good year. They're still making the playoffs. I'm not saying they're a bad team. They still have enough wins for him to be in that conversation, of course, but third best record versus a team eight games behind, is a pretty vast difference. And I think wins have to factor in because if say say you're picking, say Carmelo Anthony had a ridiculous year but the Knicks sucked, you're not even going to consider Carmelo Anthony because the team was bad. Say Melo had similar stats but the Knicks were bad, you just wouldn't pick it. So I think wins do have to factor in here. Um, so I'll go hard. Great stuff from the callers. Thanks to Alyssa Namoli for the NHL update and for running the board. Follow her on Twitter. Follow us at Jake Brown Radio, Jake Brown Show. Coming up this week, 
you'll hear David Ardsma, the former Met, former reliever who's now with the Long Island Ducks, Friday in studio, and this will drop next week. We have a special guest, Vin Baker, will be here. The the three point maker, except he didn't make threes. A uh, hundred million to a Starbucks employee. A wild story. He's got a book coming out. This is an exclusive interview before he does the really nationwide tour this summer. He will be in the building on Friday. You'll hear that on Monday. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this edition of the podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes. You rate us five stars and write a review while you're at it. Follow us on Spotify and social media. Uh, Enjoy the rest of the shows, and we'll also preview the NBA playoffs. They're coming later this week. Peace. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.